0: Welcome to the Listening Party podcast for February 5th 2021. I'm your host Rebecca Haas, the Director of Community Engagement for Pacific Opera. The Listening Party is a time when we get together with friends and in this podcast we share music and stories from the world of opera, music and theatre. We talk about our past and we look to our future as people who love music and the arts. In this month's episode I speak with three special guests. Two singers and an educator. The singers involved are part of a training program, and it's in the middle of its very first pilot. It's called the Civic Engagement Program for Artists. It employs four emerging professional singers who have careers in progress who are also committed to civic engagement as a part of their artistic practice. The two singers you'll hear from are soprano Charlotte Siegel, who I spoke to from her home in Toronto, and mezzo-soprano Simran Clare, who makes her home in Surrey. You'll also hear from Jennifer Treble, who teaches music at Esquimalt High School here in Victoria, British Columbia. Their conversations will give you an inside glimpse of the evolving world of music education. In music education, what's the role that emerging artists and an opera company can and should play? What about diversity in opera, on stage and in the audience? How do we make opera relevant to future audiences? And what barriers do youth face if they want to be part of this musical tradition, whether it's on the stage or in the audience itself? Pacific Opera has for many years shared an educational program with elementary and middle schools. This program, currently called Living Opera, introduces young audiences to the world of opera through songs, games, and presentations. This well-used local program is often the gateway to attending the student dress rehearsal for our main stage shows. Every year, thousands of teachers and their students join us at the Royal Theatre. Working with elementary and middle school-aged children is pretty easy. You won't be surprised when I tell you that connecting with teenagers through opera has been a little bit trickier to figure out. But this fall, when I learned that no in-school programs were possible, I saw an opportunity... An opportunity to use the online platforms that would allow us to offer something new. Something that would bring new voices and perspectives into a virtual classroom.
1: Hi, my name is Jennifer Treble and I teach at Esquimalt High School located on Coast Salish territory on the traditional lands of the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. And I teach concert band, choirs, guitar and English at Esquimalt. I think it was this summer we were in a meeting together and you had mentioned that you had a connection to an artist that was out east in Canada that was um, exploring, reclaiming some of her identity. She was a professional opera singer too and pursuing that, I guess, reclamation of her identity was that she had Syrian roots.
0: Jennifer is speaking about soprano Miriam Khalil. Miriam created a music video for Pacific Opera that celebrated her Syrian heritage. It's called Songs My Parents Taught Me, and it's available on our platform on our website called For All to Hear. That was a space that we created that is devoted to giving people who identify as Black, Indigenous, or as people of colour to tell a story that they want to tell through their artistic lens. You can see the video and learn more about Miriam's journey on our webpage, and I'll be providing links as well in the liner notes for this episode. But back to the conversation at hand. I was in a meeting with many educators last summer, and I wondered aloud if anyone might be interested in having artists like Miriam speak to their classrooms, as mentors, sharing stories. Here's Jennifer again.
1: That really inspired me. And so I thought, you know, we're in this new, this new age of education right now with the pandemic happening. And my teaching partner, Kaylin Allison, and I had, we'd started brainstorming back in April when we thought, okay, there might be a possibility that we'll be going back to school. What is this going to look like? So by you and I having this conversation, it really sparked us to think, hey, this would be a really cool way to bring our entire program together in this sort of sense of community that we, we don't quite get right now. Like we are seeing our students, but it's less time. And that's because of, for health reasons. Um, but, it, but this could be something we could all do together and have this unique shared experience. So it's been, it's been really wonderful, actually.
0: Miriam Khalil spoke to the classes in Esquimalt in November. But before she visited those classrooms, Jennifer invited two members of our Civic Engagement Artist Program to also come and visit, soprano Charlotte Siegel and mezzo-soprano Simran Clare. For this Zoom virtual classroom, I asked them each to prepare a 15 minute or so talk, sort of a this is my life talk, and I asked them to bring along some samples of their singing to share as well. The rest of the class time was to be devoted for questions and discussion. This was not something either of them had done before, and they were a little nervous. So I asked them, how did they prepare? And when they were preparing, what did they feel was really important for them to share?
2: Talking about being only like seven, eight years ahead of them, I was really trying to think about what I would have wanted to hear when I was a student, um, really, who loved music and was a little bit aware of uh, of how challenging a career in music can be because you have people in your ear all the time saying that's not a realistic career and so I was really thinking about that and I just wanted to tell my honest story um, about how I decided to con- to, to um, go after music 100%.
3: I remembered what it felt like as soon as I saw the music room on my screen I was like wow that is where I spent my days in high school I was in band and choir and jazz band and vocal jazz um and I was also in the school musicals and so I I was at school and involved in my school a lot so yeah I definitely remember what it felt like um I remember the pressure I felt to choose my future to set myself on the right path um which is so silly to me. It's like, we don't even, we don't know anything. We're like little, we're tiny little people that barely know what the world is like outside of our bubble. Um, We're expected to choose what suits us best and what will, um, I guess, what will best align with our values in the future, what will serve our values. But it's like, I don't know what my values are when I'm 17 years old. Um, so yeah, I remember the confusion.
0: Simran told me when we were chatting that she remembers having that conversation with her parents and that it went better than she anticipated when she told them she was going to go into music. I remember having the same conversation with my dad who knew only country and Western and folk music. I was 17 and I said, dad, I think I want to go into opera and I'll never forget it. He said to me, oh, Becky, promise me you'll never sing in a bar. And I remember saying to my dad, this is not the kind of music people want to hear in a bar. (laughs) As a lover of classical music and a professional musician, I too grew up with some barriers. Socioeconomic, the cost of lessons, culture. Opera was not part of my family's world, obviously. I asked Jennifer, what kinds of barriers in music are students facing today? Here's Jennifer and Charlotte and Simran with some thoughts on this.
1: Working with high school students, like they are, they are just pushed in so many or pulled maybe in so many directions. A lot of our students, they, they work, they might have younger siblings to take care of. Um, Some of them face uh, challenges socioeconomically and having access to things. And so the conversations or really this, these professional musicians sharing their story is so valuable to them because They're sharing what it's like to to experience a passion for something and to face adversity or to have courage to do something. I think it was with, um, we were talking with Charlotte and a student said, you know, how, what, how do you just, how do you keep going when you know that you face such adversity? it, It may not be like, you know, super overt, but, you know, maybe being the first of something or, or showing up for costume and they don't have the, co- the right color of um, tights for you or just you know going to your lesson and you know it is our nature in classically trained music that often it's like we're working towards being perfect and so I, I love she just answered in such a beautiful way she just said you know it was really hard it was really hard but you know that's that's just the way it is and I can choose to kind of sit there and not do anything about it or keep continuing my my dream and moving forward
2: they were very interested in my university experiences academic wise the transition from high school to university why uh, if I still sang pop at the while also being a classical singer um, I played some pop and some classical f- Costco for them. But yeah, they were mostly interested in my, some of my challenges that I'd faced and how I overcome them, how I deal with negative criticism, how I deal with rejection. Yeah, and just the overall experience of being in the industry. Those were mainly the questions.
1: My students are not necessarily uh, on the on the path to becoming classical musicians or professional musicians, but they all love music and that's why we're here together. And having these artists share their story such an authentic way not sugarcoating you know sharing how deeply passionate they are um Simran sharing like there are no no musicians in my family I'm the first professional musician in my family I grew up listening to Bollywood music you know and so to our kids it's like oh okay and you're you were really passionate about it and you had to have that conversation with your parents and and you know you're still going like that to me is really so beautiful to watch. Um, They're getting so much out of that part. Just simply somebody sharing their story.
3: When I was sitting down to prepare my talk, I realized that I hadn't actually seen an opera or listened to an opera until I was in opera school. So that was my actual My first opera was at opera school, funnily enough. (laughs) I was like, okay. Um, I grew up with Bollywood music being my first introduction to music. I'm Punjabi, I'm first-generation Canadian. Um, My dad grew up mostly in Canada, but um, yeah, I was the first person in my family to be born here. And so yeah, there was Punjabi music in my house and Hindi music, and I had no clue that there was any other kind, really,
1: until I started school. They love making music, and through that love they've been able to also learn um, the skill and the delayed gratification of the discipline. And that's kind of hard to to, to go up against um, sometimes. you know a lot of our students are carrying full academic loads and like I said, working and all that kind of stuff. So the barrier is kind of in their, not fully in their heads because I do think it is really challenging for them to to get all of it to fit all of it in. Sometimes that means that you know they may not get a chance to practice that much that much at home. Um, as as they would, you know, maybe even 10 years ago. I was just having a conversation with a student and I gave them a whisper mute for their instrument because apparently their upstairs neighbor said, like, it's too much, don't be practicing your instrument. And so (laughs) I said, you can try practicing in the car, but also here's this whisper mute. And they were like, great, this is awesome. You know, having the stories being shared shows the students that, you know, I'm not the only one that's having to overcome some sort of barrier on a daily basis, or maybe long-term, right? Like they, the musicians are sharing um, the challenges that are going on to get into school, throughout school, and then their professional lives. And then now with the pandemic, they're still working at it. They still think it's important. We do have students that have, um, they're, they, they're in a situation where they, they may not be thinking about private lessons. It may not be something that's accessible for them financially, but also with their family schedules. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I, I really struggled with thinking that my high school students are, are working on top of school because that's not how I grew up. And, you know, well, you have to check that at the door, right? Because this is the reality of how they're going to be functioning in the world. And sometimes that work is to help support at home. But more often, it's because, you know, so they can they can have the things that they want to do. They can go on the maybe the music trips that they want to go on, or even you know, buy music, buy clothing. You know, have have that happening. They're learning those adulting skills at a at a younger age now, but they're still teenagers, so they still need lots of love and support and encouragement, <laughs> and shown that it's okay to take risks and it's okay to have challenges.
0: Challenges and barriers are something that the students face and something that the singers are facing as they build their careers. I asked Simrin in her civic engagement work, why does she particularly want to engage with youth? Before we hear her answer, we'll start with Charlotte. And I asked Charlotte what she wished she knew when she was the age of those high school students.
2: I wish I had known that I wouldn't be doing what I thought I was going to be doing. I honestly, honestly, I was like, I'm going to be a Broadway star, pop star. And I wish I also would have known that it's not that anything had ever been like handed to me, but it is not easy. And especially in high school, you usually leave being one of the top students. If you're going into music, you leave being like one of the best and you go into a pool of incredible students. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I am not the top here at all and so that's a that's an adjustment and it's not a bad thing either because you're you end up in the end learning so much from your peers and they end up pushing you and and supporting you if most of the time yeah I just I wish I would have um, just like given into the the process and discovery of life more because you resist so many things you're like no 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 I can't like this because I said I I want to do this Uh, And that was definitely me. I'm like, no, it has either or. No, I can't love classical music because I said I'm being I said I'm going to be a pop singer. That was for me. And then eventually letting that go opened up so many doors that I never thought I would walk through. And so I'm starting a non-for-profit with two other people. We're doing just pilot projects right now. We're working with they're they're very, I don't even want to name too many things, but we're working with local organizations and hoping to reach out to high schools and public schools and to have that one on one experience that with artists, again, not too far ahead to just be able to expand your thinking, because sometimes when you just you talk to one person, and they say one thing that you never thought of, and it can change your whole life. If we can think of different programs to send them to and and just support them in that way I think I think it will be a beautiful thing so that's what I'm trying to do (laughs) me being in the opera
3: space is really important to me as a Punjabi Canadian there's been this whole conversation about representation and what that means um, especially now and it has really hit home for me that when I walk into a room an opera room especially I always play the game which is how many brown people are in the room and there's normally just one and it's me Um, and I win the game. So that's great, but it's also bad. Uh, That's what I'm trying to avoid here. I think, yeah, I sing. I sing so that others can sing as well, I guess.
0: We know what the singers wanted to share and we know what Jennifer hoped would be the impact. But what did the students take away?
1: What I'm hearing is that they appreciate that they're being open and honest. They also appreciate that the singers are not (laughs) really old (laughs) that's I don't know how else to put that but they're they're relatively close to their age. One student really well a couple of students had shared how much they appreciated the the artist explaining their journey through through school because some of our students are getting ready to go to university and they're navigating that whole process so they really they love that and, and just seeing, seeing what they didn't expect. I mean, I think they came to the workshop thinking, okay, well, this is, this is going to be different, you know, but really appreciating, oh, that person didn't grow up in a musical family or, oh, that person is, um, you know, not, not a white person pursuing opera. Oh, this person is a young person. Oh, this person had adversity in their journey so far and they're still doing it. That, that's kind of the message I'm
0: getting from the kids. And what effect did the students have on the two artists?
2: I was very um, inspired and encouraged going into that high school because they were all so open to my story. And it actually gave me a lot of hope because we always say opera is dying and classical music is dying. But they were all so, so interested in it. They were interested in all sides of me. I couldn't believe how receptive they were and so I was thankful for them for allowing me to share my story in such a positive way and participate and again like everything is a is a is a dialogue and they gave me a lot even virtually.
3: Yeah, I think sitting down and um being able to reflect on how I arrived at where I am today, I noticed that a lot of the tumultuous parts of my life at the time in my high school years were that conflict between like, what will my family think of what I want to do? Um, Which I have completely forgotten about because thankfully that conversation went well. But it's true, like I was the first, and I am the first person in my family to pursue um, a career in the arts. Um, everybody else has very practical, well, not that arts is not a practical profession, but I mean like maybe more traditional, more scientific, um, professions and, um, yeah, there is also that kind of, maybe it's a stereotype, but it does feel like a cultural pressure to, um, pursue like sciences or, um, yeah, be a lawyer, be an engineer, I think it stems from, of course, like immigration and needing a firm foundation as a community. But I feel very lucky that I think we have that to an extent now. Those roots have been established. And so I was able to talk to my parents and say, hey, I want to do this crazy thing.
0: As you can hear, this has been a really rewarding and exciting pilot project. As our conversation unfolded, Jennifer and I found ourselves reflecting on the operatic art form as a whole. I wondered, what does Jennifer hope to have happen from this? And what's the impact of bringing in emerging artists that represent the diversity in the art form?
1: Being a person of color in an art form where, you know, mostly we're looking at people of European ancestry, uh, depicting hetero, cis hetero roles and you know i would be it would be really interesting if we had operas that were not featuring that particular story but what's really exciting is we have musicians that are showing courage and pursuing their art and you know they don't fit that stereotype it's awesome i would love to see more engagement with the students connected with these i just like to see it continue i'm hoping the trickle down of this is that we can have conversations in our rehearsals about or you know outside of rehearsal about being able to move through difficult things and that is directly applied to the music that we do in the room it 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 can be challenging for some kids to even just play out or to play a wrong note or to say yeah you know i'm having i'm having a hard time with this you know so i'm hoping that the the experience of connecting with these people and hearing them t- tell their story that they are going to be able to take ownership of their own story, wherever that is. And music is a part of it, but it's not the maybe necessarily the end place. I don't know. I'm excited for what's to happen um, in the future. Wouldn't it be great if we had a student that was really inspired by one of these stories and was able to? Take a part of their identity
0: and do something really special in their life about it like that to me would be the ultimate what a wonderful wish that students would know that their stories mattered that they'd be inspired to share their story and that they could view opera and classical music as a place that would welcome them i'm happy to tell you that the next installment of these mentorship conversations will be in march we have two other members of our civic engagement program who will be visiting the students and a professional mezzo-soprano living in Toronto now, but originally from Vancouver Island, First Nations artist, Marion Newman. Jennifer and I are looking to the future, and we're working on scaling this out, and we really hope that other high schools will participate in this as well. That's the podcast for this month. Don't forget to check out the liner notes and the Spotify playlist that Jennifer and Charlotte and Simran have put together. You'll find the stories and the songs that have impacted their journeys as musicians and artists and mentors. This is all on our website. Thanks for listening. I'm Rebecca Hass for the Listening Party Podcast. Until the next time, take care and stay well.